you're listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer Podcast. I'm your host, Rob George. We're coming from the less salubrious surroundings, but in a smaller room. So if it sounds a little bit different, it's because it's a little bit more cosy for Claire and I this week. I'm actually quite enjoying it, even though there's a Smith & Jones vibe. Yeah. If you could see it, we, we're almost staring at each and other. And we've got a huge big mirror on one wall, we so have, we can even yes. look at each other. Oh, this is getting very test <laughs> in, the, in the mirror. Yes, we can, <laughs> we can watch ourselves doing the podcast. That's very strange thought. It's getting a very test match, spe- test match special, describing the scene in front of us. We are now, as we record this on Thursday, because some Somebody is part-time now and taking days off. That would be me. Um, we are now one week away from the general election. Yes, everybody, there's one week now until your letterbox stops getting attacked by leaflets and these strange people with rosettes on stop coming to your door and asking for your vote. It is the general election and I thought we'd start this week by just assessing where things are and gauging opinions on where we are seven days before polling day, in which I would have to say is probably the most important election in recent years. Certainly not since the last one, but certainly it feels like we're at a crossroads now. Mm. It feels like now we've got to do something. It's it's as though, well, it is. It's kind of like we're going to leave Europe or we're not, isn't it? There's yeah. the, those two choices and... That seems to be at the forefront of it all, doesn't it? At the it moment? does. I mean, Bre- it, I mean, I know Sky News are branding it the Brexit election, and that's caused people a bit of angst. But it is because what happens seven days from now is going to determine the future of this country. Or it could be another hung parliament, and we could be going through all this again and again. We don't know. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't see how we're going to carry on doing this because. We're supposed to have an election to sort it out. My question is, if it is a hung parliament, what do we do then? I know, that's the million dollar question. I mean, the only thing I came up with at the weekend, and everyone knows, I I think if I haven't said it publicly, I can't remember because I've done so many of these podcasts now, but I'm more than happy to repeat it. I'm no fan of a second referendum because the first one hasn't been implemented yet. But I came up with the idea of a sort of sort of second referendum that isn't a second referendum that if it is a hung parliament that i'm I, i'm convinced that it would be if it, the conservatives would be the largest party because i don't see where labor would overtake the conservatives nor do i see the conservative vote dropping to below where labor would be but still leaving both parties without a majority, if that makes any sense. I came up with a sort of second referendum that wasn't a second referendum, in the sense that if it is a hung parliament and we know we can't get another extension, then we put it back to the people. We say parliament has proven that it has failed. Parliament as an entity now has failed. You, the British people, asked us to leave... So it is you decide where we go from here. We'll take Parliament out of it. And do you want to leave with this deal? But I wouldn't say remain, because I I would say we take it off the tape, revoke Article 50 in its current guise, and say, stop the clock. But leave Britain's future relationship with the EU still under question. But is it a question... I guess I'm angling it for, is it time to press the reset button? 
Mm. and almost start all over again. Oh, God, I don't know if I can do it all over again. I don't know if the country can stand it all but over again. But I just feel we're on a, cl- we're on a clock now. Mm. And I think we're gonna, if we're going to leave, we leave in the best way possible. Yeah. So that on day one, everything runs, everything functions, and Britain carries on to be the great country that it, it is. Whether we, whether we leave or remain, it is the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. And I just wonder if there was another referent. It wasn't not remain because remain to me has got the implication of oh well everything's fine and we'll just sit there being good members of the EU. Well, it also isn't. they will screw us now, won't they? Because if we suddenly go back with our cap in our hands, saying actually we want to stay, they'll be instead of it'll being twelve billion, they've already said it'll be sort of twenty five yeah. billion a year and to I be a member and all these other. I think conditions. if go back to the people and say, do you want this deal? Or do you want to stop the clock? So we would be remaining in a way, but I view it more as a reset button and saying, do you want to end this? Uh, mm. And then we'll revisit it and give all the political parties an opportunity to say, right, if we have another election, hopefully not for a very long time, speaking as a weary newspaper editor, if we have another election, and give us a chance for another party to put together a manifesto saying, right, we will give you a vote and learn the lessons from the last... Because I don't believe 17.5 million people voted for this mess. I don't think anyone voted for this at all. No one could foresee it, could they? But it's happened. And it's a, but it's a failure of statecraft. And I've been thinking about this. I was Where was I? I was doing something. I can't remember. I think I was just at home on one of my mornings off that I've had this week. And I just thought, I don't remember in my adult life British state failing its people this badly. Mm. Because when we joined the, the well, the European Community as it was then, we joined. There wasn't a problem. We joined. When the euro came along, the pressure to join it, we didn't join it. But the infrastructure was in place, so that we didn't. Where various things have happened, governments have changed hands. We've moved to different governments. Parliament has passed it through. When we have, when Parliament has been asked to approve our troops going to war, Parliament has done it. Yet on this issue, it's fallen down. And I blame everybody. And it's a, pl- it's a plague on everyone's houses. Absolutely. Um, and it's interesting that it seems to be dividing parties still to this day. It's I dividing parties. Yeah, and I don't think the populace has ever been so involved before. But I think that's a lot to do with social media because everyone's got an opinion. Yeah. We all live our lives yeah. on it, don't we? We're constantly reading about the NHS and about Boris and about Corbyn. And, and there's so much fake news as yes, well, which which makes people angry. They read it, they believe it, they start spouting off about it, and we you don't know what to believe. You don't, you, you don't, and there's different things. And in an election time, remember, the golden rule is that everybody will say anything to get your vote. Yeah. They don't have to back it up because how, there'll be a winner and there'll be a loser. So the losing side can say what it likes because it never have to implement the policies. I'd like to put them all on lie detector tests. On, I think on the, the results podium. might be. <laughs> Can you imagine though if, if, if we could all watch their about, like yes. their spikes? And I mean, I know they're not one hundred percent, but they use them on these game shows and they things, do, don't they? they and do. they seem <laughs> to work there. Why can't we hook them up and put them on a podium and see them? But what frightens me, and I believe this, and I've talked to um, people who voted Brexit. There's a lot of people that are thinking about not voting next Thursday, and that's a mistake. And in all my years editing this, I have never told you which way to vote for. I work for a fantastic company that isn't politically driven, 
uh, and we have the freedom to put all parties' views in, and hopefully we have got all parties' views across to you during this election campaign. And I'll never tell you how to vote, because I think it's hard-earned by people that were very, very brave and laid down their lives for you to have a pencil and a cross in a box. But vote, because the very worst thing you could do is not turn out next Thursday and vote, because the status quo will continue. Mm. If you turn out and vote, and vote for if you're disenfranchised with whatever party, vote for someone else. If none of them appeal to you, find the one that's closest, but vote. Mm. Because if everyone in that country did that, we may not have a hung parliament, and people would get the message then. Oh, I'm just, that's what I'm really nervous about, is the hung parliament and just having to go through this again and again. And also Scotland, the referendum they're saying for that, if there's a hung mm. parliament. And it's just, it, it's just more division, isn't it? I just it really hope one hostility. way or another. And mm. I don't, I, don't, I mean, I've always, I wonder, one day we are going to do a podcast on my Brexit manifesto and how I would, have, how I would deliver it. Um, but I'll borrow a page from it, is that the most glaringly obvious way of delivering Brexit revolved around bringing people together. Mm. And nobody has done that. Nobody. Every policy. Boris has moved the party to the right of the centre ground. Jeremy Corbyn has moved the party irrevocably to the left of the ground. And also, to be honest, I will criticise both of them the Conservative Party just focuses on those that voted to leave. Jeremy Corbyn's policy, being balanced, being fair, it basically ignores people who voted leave because we're going to have another deal and then we'll campaign against it. Well, we still don't know which way he's well, that's persuaded, not, do we? But, this, but I think everybody... It's gone from being annoyed Remainers to now annoyed Leavers as well because I think if you voted leave in 2016... I need to check the time of the referendum. That was weird. Mm. Um, if you voted leave 2016, I don't believe you've ever been listened to. No, well, I was in the pub the other night and some people who voted leave were saying, why should we vote? It's probably not going to be respected anyway. It was these young kids. Um, well, not kids. They were sort of 18, 19. <laughs> they were in the pub. Yes. But, but they were saying, yeah, nobody respects votes anyway anymore. And I was that and really shocked me. I was suddenly problem. like, oh, my goodness, we can't let the young people of today think democracy is dead yes exactly and that's why the re- the result always must be respected and that's why i think my sort of reset referendum i can appreciate it's got huge pitfalls i can but if it was voiced as do you want this deal that the government has put together or do you want to pause things because we're at that point now we're at that tipping point where something needs to be done i don't believe you can just have another referendum where remain is on there because the majority of the people in the United Kingdom voted to leave. Mm. You can't put something that was rejected on one ballot back on the ballot paper. Rob, we need you in politics. You're very level-headed about I all know, this. I'm, tr- and I'm have trying you, have to Have you ever be. thought about getting I wouldn't into have politics? the temperament. I would not have the temperament at all. Um, and I just... I couldn't... I, I haven't got the dedication to public service that mm. people have got. You know, I want to follow my path in being a public servant in putting a newspaper together and trying to bring the views to people. But I I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I haven't got the temperament. Have we had a hustings in Worcester? There have been several. There's oh, one okay. at uh, the Sixth Form College. Uh, Monday evening, I think, was it? What, what we did? Thursday, we're on there, so it would be Tuesday evening. There's been several across 
the city well attended and I noticed the Brexit Party candidate not not the former Brexit Party candidate sorry Martin mm. Potter who's now independent candidate has took a half page ad in our paper this week oh right okay. um, as well and that getting on to Worcester's politics I will be fascinated next week to see what impact he will have because I think there's hardened Brexiteers that feel let down by the Conservatives if he can s- scoop up some of them, we could be in for a change of MP in Worcester. What was the... Um, I know you, I'm asking you figures off the top of your head now, though, but what was the sort of split last time? 2,409. So Robin Walker I think, won... No, 2,490 by... Robin Walker won by. Right, OK. Um, now, bearing in mind, I'll set this into context. At the start of the 2017 campaign, I won't name them, but senior Tories were briefing me and saying... Well, Corbyn's miles behind in the polls. We want to take Robin Walker's majority, which was over five and a half thousand. And we want to put that, we want to make Worcester a safe seat. We're talking 10,000, 12,000 seat majority. And then on election night, it was more than halved. Wow. Um, and there's a lot more younger voters who have registered. A lot more younger voters. Yeah. And I will be fascinated to see the result because on the one hand, it's beginning to look a lot, not like Christmas, I'm not going to burst into song, <laughs> don't worry. It's beginning a little bit to look like the 2017 vote. All the other parties are being pushed to one side and it's become red versus blue again. Mm. But on the other hand, you look at the opinion polls nationwide, they seem to suggest Boris is on course for a, a majority. I think YouGov predicted 68 seat majority. But, he's, but every day you look at the polls and he's slipping, isn't he, every single but day? But then you look at the constituency polls that have been done by private companies. Oh, right, OK. And they are telling a very different picture. You've got Conservatives that have got very good majorities, prominent leave Conservatives, that are facing battles to hold on to their seats. Mm. I think this will be the first election that will be tactically voted. I think there'll be a lot of anger from both sides. I think there'll be a lot of... Leave voters in, particularly in the north of England, the Midlands, certain places like Dudley. I can say Dudley because I'm from that part of it. I'm not. <laughs> it's I'm not, not Dudley. It's Dudley. It's Dudley. There's no <laughs> A in it at all. But people from there uh, say that in the north of England, there'll be Leave voters that have felt betrayed, that will rubber stamp the Conservatives, or they will vote Brexit Party, and the Brexit Party may get in, or they may take enough of the Labour vote to allow the Conservatives in. And in the south of England, I think you'll have very disgruntled Remainers actually trying to give the Tories a kick in. Mm. I mean, Dominic Raab's seat is Esher in Surrey. I used to live there. Well, you know yourself, true conservative area. You would not describe that area as anything other than conservative. I looked at the um, hustings that they had there last week and, oh my goodness, everyone was giving him a hard time. The anger, because this is where I fear Boris Johnson... Boris Johnson's strategy of moving the party to being the party of Brexit. It's annoyed people in the home counties. Mm. And it's whether they stay at home. If they stay at home, it doesn't have an impact. If they suddenly decide, well, we believe being in the EU is the right thing, and they go to the Lib Dem- Liberal Democrats... I think the Lib Dems are going to do very well in the home counties. I do. I think they will. I think, I think their vote plays well. Um but it will be fascinating, and I'll give you an advanced... We'll give you a programming notice now. Um, we will be covering the count live 
on our social media on facebook and on twitter uh, we'll give you anything we any tidbits we can during the night and we will aim to have the results for you and the full reaction by six o'clock on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning? No, Friday morning, Friday the 13th. So the count starts at 10pm, is that right? Polls close at 10 o'clock. Okay. Um, How does it all work? Do you, you've been to these several times. So do the, all the ballots arrive into the building? Yes, and... they all walk in. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I did have this cartoon in my head, a weird election cartoon of all the ballot box going, hi-ho, it's off to <laughs> it the sounds count Sounds like a Disney go. film, yeah. You know, they're just walking in, just going, we're here to be counted. <laughs> I'm weird. I've had a pizza, I'll be honest with you. I've had a very nice pizza from the people at Domino's and I'm in a bit of a funny mood, as you can tell. Um, polls close at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all sealed, but they're dotted across all different parts of Worcester. Right. And then the city council, uh, the returning, they, it's all hands to the deck to get them to the Guildhall, secure and uh, under protection. Uh, and who are the people who actually count them? They're volunteers, they could be bank clerks, people that have you know, specialised in counting mm. very quickly. The, what you'll have at the Guildhall in the assembly rooms at the top of the Guildhall, if you know the Guildhall really well, there'll be several, eight, nine tables for each individual ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the votes will simply be counted, 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 and they'll be amassed into pile and pile and pile, and then and so, the winner will be declared. And so do people who are counting give clues to no, the... So, so it's all totally under lock and key, yep. nobody knows anything. You can watch it, you can watch it, but you can't approach the tables, and we get told as the press, uh-huh. you can't approach the tables, and only ones that are registered election agents can sit at the tables. Right. So if you're not an election agent, so it could be that I'll pick a candidate Stephen Kearney the Liberal Democrat for example if he's not an election agent Mm -hmm. he might not be allowed to approach the table but his election agent can and then how does that result then get to London or the main do do they just call it in yeah they can call it they will call it in but there's no need to tell anyone in London right because the constituency the returning officer announces the results and that's Worcester's result. It's not like a, a national referendum where we can say, right, here's Worcester's result, and now we've got to pick up the phone because right. that feeds into the West Midlands result. I, I'm, I'm picturing the Eurovision Song Contest now. <laughs> and we've got there Rob, t- George and Worcester. What there have are we got times Rob? about 2am in the morning where you're actually wishing it was the Eurovision Song Contest because it will... So they will be counted and then there'll be spoilt ballots and people will show is that a sport ballot everyone has to agree why do sport. people bother doing that i don't know it's so silly they feel it? it's uh, a protest or something they feel it is uh, a way of protest but you must understand if you're considering doing that next thursday it'll be glanced at and then it'll be tossed to one side mm. your vote actually won't count no. you won't play a part in the democratic process at all but they often say don't they at the end and we had 10 yeah Spoiled by And then if you uh, peruse it, and I may do this, and I may I may actually get the information for you and do it on the Christmas podcast, because mm. you can get information of what the sport ballot papers were. Oh, really? So I may get that information and share that with you, because it's in, it's anonymous completely. We won't be able to say Joe Bloggs from mm. uh, Tolodyne wrote so-and-so on his... I mean, obviously, if they're, not, if they're rude, I'm not going to see mm. it on the podcast. But then they'll be counted and then a provisional... The candidates will be gathered and a provisional result will be read out. And so what makes it from provisional to absolute? If it's close... They if recount. There's, oh, okay. If there's... I can't remember. There's a certain point. I think it's 500 votes or something, or maybe 1,000. Mm. But if it's tight, 
the person in second has the right to say, well, I demand a recount, and okay. they're entitled to do that. Gotcha. And it, we could, I mean, there was one seat in Torbay, I think, in 1997, I think there were seven recounts. Wow. Um, but we must count the possibility. If no one wants a recount, then they're assembled onto the stage, and then the returning officer, uh, Shane Flynn, in Worcester's case, will say, I, Shane Flynn, being the returning officer for the City of Worcester, hereby declare that the parliamentary constituency vote for Worcester is as follows. But he would, won't read winner, second, third, fourth. He will read it on the ballot paper. Right, OK. So Robin Walker, for example, will be the last name because his surname is Walker. So, you, yeah, you're doing the so you're calculations in your head sometimes. You, yeah. Well, you're doing calculations in your head, but certain numbers come out, you think, oh, they've probably won that. Mm. Uh, and certainly two years ago when we were covering um, in 2007, when Joy Squires, um, the Labour candidate's share of the vote was read out, you were like, OK, because that was, I think, Labour's highest in the city for about 13 years. Um, but then Robin came over 2,000 more. But there was a point, I'm not betraying any confidences, there was a point... Um, two years ago on election night where the Conservatives in Worcester genuinely thought they'd lost the constituency. Wow. And what is the atmosphere like in there? Is it electric? Is it Electric. Is it, and But is it really heartbreaking for the people who lose their jobs? Because imagine if you've been an MP all this time, you just what happens to you? You just lose your job. I've got a confession to make. Mm. I've never been to an election result where the MPs lost their job. Oh, right. Every election I've covered since I've worked for this company in 2004, wow. the person that was the MP before the election has won the seat. You might yeah. be a lucky charm for the so Conservatives then. <laughs> it is electric. There's a, it starts off with a lot of buzz because everyone's talking about the exit poll that will be released at 10 o'clock next Thursday night and everyone's like, oh, that can't be right, all oh, that can be right and people are a bit giddy and... Mm. Uh, you you certainly work the con your contacts and start talking to councillors if you see. And so just... you're not just like in a press room. You're allowed to mingle and talk no, to the. No, I have to councils. give Worcester City Council a lot of credit, and I'm happy to say it publicly. We are trusted on the count floor. Mm -hmm. uh, a number of councils, I won't name them, but they're in this area. Now do shackle the press uh, in a room which I don't believe you should do. You should be trusted. Mm -hmm. uh, but Worcester City Council are the fine, uh, fine example of democracy in action because you can walk around and you can be on the count floor, just don't approach the tables, don't take picture of any ballot papers. Simple rules to abide yeah. by and help local journalists do their jobs. Mm -hmm. That's a pet peeve of mine and I could really go on and really moan about that, but I won't. Uh, there is a lull about 1am in the morning... Everyone's a bit tired. Is there uh, is there like food and drink in there? Or there, there is there is mm. put. Uh, is there put, champagne on ice? No, it's not <laughs> champagne on ice. No, it's austerity. Oh. Um, there is a lull because everyone gets a bit tired then, and everyone's like, oh, we're waiting for the result, and then you're hearing messages from you know colleagues working here at Boulevard Media. Oh, I've had my result. I've got the reaction. I'm going home, and you're like, oh, I'm still waiting for hours. Mm. And then you're looking at the clock, thinking, it's certainly in my case. I live in Bromsgrove, so I'm covering Worcester. It's like that's fine. I've actually got to drive home after this. Now I already feel tired. Oh, I bet. Um, but then you know you get a little rumor spreads. Like 2017, there was a lot of panic Tories. So being a journalist, I put my foot in the door and started saying, "Well, what's going on?" And then. I got confessed off the record, which I can say now because the election uh, was over, but there was certainly two Conservatives told me on the night, they said, we think we've lost mm. because 
they were emptying um, ballot boxes and they were expecting to see lots of crosses for Conservatives and they'd all gone to Labour. Oh, wow. Um, and you, so you thrive off that for a bit. You're, like, building up. And then the alternatives are in your head. You're, like, you know, because the coverage changes dramatically uh, and you start thinking about your intro and if the Conservatives retain it's have they retained by how much? Have they, is it a stonking victory mm-hmm. or is it narrow or have Labour won the seat and dealt a blow to Boris Johnson's Brexit plans? And while you're there, are you are there like TV screens where you're seeing all the results from the other the rest of the country? That Worcester, see- Worcester have been very good. Um, certainly we had a media room two years ago in the Leisure Centre at Perd as well where there was a TV in the media room that when if you wanted to have a wander back in a lull you could sit and watch the coverage but there's nothing in the counting room to distract people right okay the counting room the counting floor is just ballot papers Mm. candidates nothing else there's no distraction there but we have been able i was been able to keep in touch but then i was one of those um two years ago that went oh well the exit poll's wrong theresa may surely won a majority because Jeremy Corbyn, you know, mm. and then it was like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn has done pretty well. Yeah, you just never can tell, can you? You can never tell. And I was, and I think we'll end this segment because we've gone on much longer than I intended to um, by saying the golden rule is quite simple 10 o'clock on election night, that's the only poll that you must take any interest in. All Everything you'll see, because there'll be a poll pretty much every day now, mm-hmm. it won't reflect what happens on the night. On the night, that election poll will be as close to the accurate results Isn't as it could be. Isn't that normally pretty accurate? They've been very good in this country now for three, two, three elections now. They've been very accurate. But in America, that was the one that they got massively wrong, yeah. didn't they, with Trump being elected in? Well, they did, they, yeah. did, they did, but also the Americans do it a different way. The networks call it. Oh, okay. And in 2000, when Bush, uh, George Bush took on Al Gore, the networks called it uh, for George Bush. right. Was it George Bush they called it? I don't remember now. Historians might get... Oh, that's really embarrassing because I really love my American politics. They called it for a particular candidate. Not uh, Clinton? No, it was, it was Bush. Bush Bush and Gore because oh. Clinton had finished okay. his eight years and Gore was running. I think they called it for Bush and then they had to retract it. Oh, right, okay. Because they do it differently. They, they've got people working behind the scenes saying, oh, well, he... So and so can't win it now, and I say he because they still haven't elected a woman candidate mm. yet. So I can say he. I'm not being sexist. Um, <laughs> well, it's all exciting stuff. It's um, all very yeah. exciting, and we will have the results. I pride myself on having everything up on WorcesterObserver.co.uk by six a.m. the following morning. So when you get up for your breakfast, hopefully everything you need to know about what happened in Worcester on the night before will be on there, just as I'm probably passing out on the sofa asleep at home, absolutely exhausted for another 12-hour day. Oh, wow. Uh, But please do vote. Please, please, please do vote, because only by voting will you actually get your message across to politicians that you're angry. I mean, you may be happy with life. If you're happy with life, vote for for the party you want to, uh, to see in government. But... Anyway, we've done enough on the election. I think one of the things I just want to touch on, we mentioned it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Worcester City. Now, there are hopes that they're going to come home. I'm delighted to report on it. Um, Did they hear my singing on the last podcast? Bring them home, bring them, bring Worcester City home. I hear that was the inspiration. (laughs) I think it was the inspiration of your headline on the front cover this (laughs) this week, actually. The... um, (laughs) 
the the meeting that we talked about on last the, last on the not last podcast but the pro- podcast before on the twenty eighth yielded an option to go to Clanes Lane, which is part of the Worcestershire FA's redevelopment plans. They want to spend seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds or more than that redeveloping. That could be a home, or the intriguing one is to go to Six Ways. Which was your original idea. We've got that on record, Rob. You were the one who originally put that there. Oh, okay. Not this way. Oh, what they If they go to Six Ways, they'll be bought. The the owners of Worcester Warriors have made an offer to buy the city's football team. But would that be a disaster? It would take it out of fan ownership, and after years of fighting for fan ownership, the fans have got hold of Worcester City now, and I think it would be a pity... Hmm. I think it would be, I would encourage um, the, the fantastic owners, and let's be honest, the Worcester Warriors owners, um, Colin Goldring and Jason Whittingham, have been awesome as owners of Worcester Warriors so far. They've only been in charge for a certain amount of time, but they've been awesome. Fan engagement, they're listening to the Warriors fans. If I could make an appeal to them, talk to the Worcester City people. You could build the stadium, you can have a part share, but mm. Worcester City... Leave the fans in control. Fans like they having a piece it. of the pie. They've been going to St George's Lane. They've been supporting City for 40, 50 years. Have an involvement. But do you have to own the football club as well? Hmm. Can't you be so, Can't you be the 49% stake? Right. You know, I'm, we'd welcome it. And six ways, as I've said on the podcast before, as Claire very kindly pointed out, it is a sporting hub and it could be a sporting hub and it'd be a brilliant home for Worcester City. But guys, do you have to own... The club as well. Well, do you know what, Rob? Anything you keep putting out on this podcast somehow gets to them, and <laughs> this might just happen. You well, may have made you, that work. Well, you never know. You never know. I do hope you enjoyed the Victorian Fair as well, which took place um, last weekend. Uh, we've got a load of pictures. You'll see them online. We're recording this on Thursday. They're actually online now, so do take a look at those. I love the way everyone dresses up and really it's gets fantastic. into the spirit of I, it's it. A, all. It's a massive massive uh boost something that is something actually i did want to touch on um you'll find it on page seven of the paper and it's going online at the weekend and it's a unique story that captured my attention leading religious voices in the city have joined together to call on leaders in worcester and around the world to tackle climate change this is the members of the worcester interfaith forum all the faiths in worcester are represented on it and they've called for action on climate change. And I could not agree with them more. I think it's a fantastic idea. And it shows the issue of climate change goes beyond boundaries, goes beyond religions, because it does affect us all. And I think we do need to do that. And this is another reason for resolving Brexit in one way or another, because we do need to turn our attentions to climate change. Mm -hmm. And the UK needs to be the market leader in climate change. And I've said it before, and I'll bore you all to tears again. Quite simply, the recycling rates need to go up. My recycling bin this week, chock full. I only get it collected every fortnight. And I had to compre- I've had, always have to compress it down, the amount that we recycle. But I want to do more. Mm. It would be nice to have more recycling points around the city as mm. well, I feel. Because, you know, with bottles and things, they do add up. And they do. Um, not that I'm a huge <laughs> bottle of wine. I don't drink every night, but I do drink my, like every my wine. Night. And um, <laughs> no, but you do. And yeah. it, it, waiting two weeks and just having all these bottles and containers there, often it's a lot easier to just drop them off and yeah. get rid of them. But there aren't enough points. There I aren't. feel there aren't. There absolutely aren't. And we do need to take that more. And I want to close this. We're going to do Claire's what's on Worcester Roundup, but it would be remiss. 
um, of me not to mention uh, the tragedy that took place in London last Friday uh, on London Bridge. Again, London Bridge, again, the scene of such heartbreak and um, devastation, but also of hope, because what compelled me more than anything else to actually write about this is... I think British people are the best in the world for risking their own lives. I mean, that terrorist who we were... I'm not going to name him. If you know me well enough, and I have done this before on the podcast, I won't give him a name because that gives him a legacy. He's a terrorist and he died a terrorist. Uh, Nothing else. I will not use his religion because that's what he wants me to do. As a white man, he wants me to use his religion and say that this was a particular faith's terrorism. It isn't. It's terrorism. But, I mean, the British people that went to apprehend him to give the police the time to get there and to stop even more deaths were heroic. I mean, one fought him with a narwhal tusk. Where did he get that narwhal tusk from? From the um, the, the place the event was at, the Fisheries, uh, London Fisheries Museum or something. Yeah. He got that and one of them batted away with a fire extinguisher. Fire, I know. Have you seen all those memes about um, Brits? You know, in America they need guns yeah. and everything. Us Brits, we just grab whatever. Well, it's very British, isn't it? A fire extinguisher. Yeah. It's very polite. Excuse me, stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Total it's, heroes. What, it's again to stalk to us streets with two people um losing their lives to and frankly a twisted individual who is hiding as a coward behind the cloak of religion to justify his murderous actions before his rampage was ended by the police as we've said he was brought to his knees by heroic passers-by with no thought for their own safety other than to stop this butcher Mm. um to me terrorism is a cancer that we just haven't cured Those who wish to cause us harm have changed the rules of the game now. I grew up with the IRA. It was bombs and it was guns and it was violence. Now it's they've been swapped for everyday items such as knives Mm -hmm. and the devastation that they can actually cause. We're seeing it on our streets all the time. These individuals want to sow discord and division and spread hatred and fear. But while they're at the heroes like those on London Bridge risking their lives, wielding extinguishers and narwhal tusks to apprehend them. They will never, ever win. Next week, it will be polling day when we record this, or the day before, or the day after, depending on when you're listening to it. But it will all come to an end. The general election is nearly over. Hang in tight, Worcester people. It's nearly all over. Until then, I've been your host, Rob George. Thank you so much for listening. Do get in touch. Until then, until next week, I think we're done here. Bye-bye.